So this week I've been bugging hashtag Watsy staff on Twitter about can we please get a pronunciation guide? As we've said several times on the show and oh, I think the goal for this podcast is please just give us the pronunciation guide. Yeah. Can we have it? Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to go through a bunch of names from this set and I want you to tell me which pronunciation you think is right. Okay. Okay. So is it Oxivagonus or Agonus? Agonus. Okay, I think it's a gonus. Is it Alcaid or Alcide? Alcide. No, mm, oh. this is tough. Yeah. I don't... You know, the, what's the right answer doesn't matter because we, we just don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, they both sound... Like, it's it's kind of like, you know, it's almost like the blue dress. Like, either. <laughs> right. Is it blue and black? Is it white and gold? Uh, is it Anax or Anax? Anax. Okay, I think it's Anax. How about Atris or Atris? Atris. See, I think that one's Atris. This is why we need a pronunciation uh, guide. No. I just want, I want to get this fictional universe correct. Karyatid or karyatid? Karyatid. This is an uh, sure. this is an English word. Like th- there should be no, yep. there should be no controversy. Here's one I actually know that is an English word, and I'm just going to say it. It's catablepus. Catablepus. Yeah, this one's tough because we don't say catablepus a lot. So I've been I've said no. it cataplas or whatever, and it's like no, it's catablepus. Like it's just tough. Like. It looks Spanish. It looks like catoblapas, <laughs> but it's ca- it's catablepus. Catablepus. <laughs> okay, heliod or heliod? Heliod. I, I think it's heliod. It doesn't. I mean, like whatever. Who knows? Like who knows? But also, like with the gods, like these are all names where it's like if you butcher this or like a Kamigawa name or something, I'm like eh, whatever. <laughs> I'm not gonna argue. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Iroas or Eroas? Eroas. Okay, I think it's Iroas. Is it Clothis or Clothis? I think Clothis, but I could see. I think it's Clothis. It could be Clothis. Like it's so tough. But Clothis would actually be make more sense because of all the flowing cloth on her. Hmm, So like that's why I want it to be Clothis. But it could be. I think it's probably Clothis. I want it to be Clothis. Uh, Are we just are we going Croxa for the Titan? Yeah, Croxa. Croxa, Croxa. Okay. Uh, How about is it Metami or Metami? Metami. Okay, I I think that I don't know. I want. I think it's Metamai. Yeah, Melitis or Melitis. Melitis. Okay, and I think it's Melitis. I just don't know. I don't know. Is it Nessian or Nessian? Oh, Nessian. But Nessian, like you say it, and I'm like, maybe it is Nessian, and it's just we've been wrong this whole time. It's possible. Is it Nylea or Nylea? No comment. Oh no, a uh, Terranica or. I don't know, Tyrannica? <laughs> Could be anything. We don't know. Tyrannica? Ter- Here's a hot topic of controversy for the last several years. Thassa or Thassa? Thassa. I think so, too. Yeah. And finally, the other titan, Euro or Uro or Uro? Uro. Okay, I think it's Uro. Uro, yeah. yeah. Not- so the moral of the story is we can't agree on a lot of these. We are creating magic content. We just need a pronunciation guide. So wizards... If I have to send this clip to you separately on Twitter over and over, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Let's let's figure this out. DMs are open, baby. Wizards, you realize your target audience is full of pendants. Like, we all want to be pedantic and correct all the time. And the fact that you haven't released this is infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> just help us help you. <laughs> we just want to make sure that we're doing justice to your fictional world by saying all of the fake names nobody can possibly know how to pronounce correctly. (laughs) Exactly.
Welcome to episode number 51 of The Memory Jar. As always, we're here to remember the cards, the decks, the people, and the stories that make magic the game we love. I'm David Prestwood, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Christian Wright. Christian, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm currently planning my escape, but I'm like three cards too short. Uh, where are you escaping from and to? The graveyard to the battlefield? Always. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, go ahead and fill up the underworld, and then uh, let you break free, man. As you can probably tell, we're absolutely excited about Theros Beyond Death being out. In celebration of it coming out, we're going to go over some facts about the set, including the overarching flavor, some signature reprints, what has gone obsolete, etc., just like we did with Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, that's right. We love Theros so much that we started our podcast off talking about it, and while we always plan on going back to do other sets, we really can't resist this deep dive into Greek mythology while it's the newest thing to focus on in magic. Well, before we dive too deep, like we always do, let's crack open the memory jar. This week, our card is Goblin Freerunner. Goblin Freerunner was a common from Oath of the Gatewatch. Three and a red for a 3-2 Goblin Warrior ally. It has Menace, and it has Surge for one and a red. So you may cast it for its Surge cost if you or your teammate has cast another spell this turn. Wow. Um, it's interesting to see the card's teammate on it. Um you really loved Oath of the Gatewatch, Dave. How much did you play this card? Uh, not that much, actually. This card was fine. Menace wasn't as good in this set because with all the little Eldrazi Scions running around that people were making for free, they could just easily block with one of the Scions, sack it for some value. You did want this in your Reckless Bushwhacker decks. That was a Surge card that really got done. But allies weren't as big a thing in red as they were in some of the other colors. I played a lot of green-white allies in this format, some black-white allies. Yeah, red was not my favorite in this set. That's all good. Um, Do you think we'll see Surge again, like maybe in Battlebond 2 if they ever do another one? Maybe. I mean, the word teammate here is really interesting. For some reason, I guess I didn't remember that that was actually on these cards. It's weird to see teammate on black-bordered cards that are standard legal, since I guess unless you're playing 2HG, there's no real reason for that to exist. It'd be a really good mechanic for a Battlebond 2. I hope we see a Battlebond 2. Battlebond 1 was a blast. It was. Yeah, no, I, it'd be a fantastic throwback. And once they have enough data from the first Battlebond, I think a mechanic like Surge would be great. It fits right into what Battlebond is trying to do. Yeah, you know, planning out your turns with each other does a lot of stuff. You and I have done some Battlebond 2HGs. Uh, I've tried to play those whenever I'm at a GP if I can, although Mystery Boosties have kind of taken the wind out of Battlebond at the moment. Yeah. But as long as those packs continue to exist... I will continue to play them. Oh, exactly. So, on to Theros Beyond Death. The overall story and flavor and setting of Theros Beyond Death is Greek and Roman mythology. You know, we first saw this mythology block in the end of 2013 going into 2014 with the original Theros block. And now we're back. Um, There was a big cliffhanger, which we won't talk about if you're not... Well, I guess we have to talk about it because the new set kind of spoils it. Elspeth died. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she's she come, she's breaking through the underworld, and that's basically the story. Uh, there's not much more story than that. We'll put a link to the th- uh, story summary on wizards.com, but basically uh, you'll have to find out if she breaks free or not. Who knows? Yeah, uh, just an aside on that for a second. It's, it's pretty disappointing. I think everybody's disappointed that they didn't do a full fleshed-out story this time. What they posted basically looks like an outline for a larger story or series of stories. Mark Rosewater has said that they are going to do a real story for Ikoria, which will be the next set. So I'm looking forward to that. But it was not as satisfying, especially in such a flavorful set like Theros with a deep story from last time to see this really bare bones summary. 
Right. It's almost like a throwback to very old magic where you kind of got the story through the cards, but it was the cards kind of um, were evocative of a setting. And so we have a very evocative setting, which is great. Like, that's absolutely our jam, but we are missing the specifics of the story. The story for me is a Three Little Bears thing. Just the story on the cards is not enough. Giving you the story in a novel is too much. I just love the individual stories on the website. That's just right. And it makes me want to fall asleep until bears come in and and rustle my jimmies. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, maybe you'll get some bears in Ikoria. You never know. (laughs) God, I hope so. Giant bears, please. <laughs> but we we thought we'd go real quick and talk about some of the real-life references that you'll see in Theros. Like, there's a lot that came in the original Theros, but they kind of went a little deeper this time and decided to do some popular culture and also traditional Greek mythology references. I figure we can start. The first one is Illyrios Enraptured. So Illyrios Enraptured, uh, I'll just read the card real quick. It is two and a blue for a legendary human. It's a 2-3, enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, Ilarios doesn't untap during your untap step if you control reflection. And when Ilarios enters the battlefield, you create a 3-2 blue reflection creature token. So the creature token is an absolute reflection of Ilarios. Yeah, just beautiful flavor for the story of Narcissus, the hunter who fell in love with his own reflection and couldn't do anything. I believe in the original story, didn't he die? Yes. He, just stared at his, he didn't eat, he just stared at his reflection forever? Yep. He, so, yep. He was basically tapped and didn't untap. Uh, this is a little nicer. It's also a lot better because there's like a certain flicker effects in the set, so there's a lot of reflections. <laughs> you can have a lot of reflections for this one dude. There are. <laughs> so, uh, you can make a lot. I've already seen somebody assemble Illyrios and Thassa in a draft to just make all of the 3-2 reflections. All right, what's another one? I'll go with Ephemia the Cacophony. That's one at a black for a 2-1 legendary enchantment creature Harpy with flying. And at the beginning of your end step, you can exile an enchantment card from your graveyard if you do create a 2-2 zombie creature token. Uh, these are harpies. They have birds' bodies with women's heads on them, and they are terrifying. They are very terrifying. According to Greek mythology, uh, harpies are supposed to be very ugly. Like, it didn't start off necessarily ugly. They started, like, as wind spirits, but then, of course, misogyny turned them mm-hmm. into creatures that spirit you away, so you don't want to get spirited away by a harpy. Um, they would take you to a cave and eat you, apparently. I don't know. Like, this is some weird psych- psychological insight we're getting into into old Greek mytho- and Greek people. But, um, yeah, it's good to see an actual legendary harpy, the leader of the harpies, I guess. Or not. Who knows? We can make. We won't know. We don't have a story. So. <laughs> well, and the ability is very flavorful with being snatched away and killed. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's like you're already dead, and then they just turn you into the living dead. That's horrifying, and I hate it. What else do we have? Okay. So the next thing, next card we want to highlight that has some interesting real-world connections is the Akron War. It's basically a magicified reference to the Trojan War. We won't read this card. It's kind of long. But all you need to know, what's interesting about it is that the tapestry really does depict the Trojan War. So the Trojan War, for those who are unfamiliar, Helen of Troy was taken from her betrothed-to-be, which is King Menelaus of Sparta. And so the Acroans are a Spartan analog, which is why this works really well. Helen was ferried over to Troy, and then the Trojan War happened. You had Greek heroes like Odysseus and Achilles, and there's a lot of fighting, and it didn't end well. But it, this is all immortalized in the uh, epic poem called the Iliad. So I'm glad they got to do a real uh, magic card reference of this. The thing I love the best here is the artwork. It's this tapestry depicted on the saga, and it's depicted as unfinished, which 
my imagination is that's because everyone was called off to go to war against the Acroans. Oh, I didn't think about that. And so whoever is working on the tapestry took off to, to fight. That's awesome. No, that's a, I'd never thought about that. That's a really great headcanon if that's true. It's fantastic. All right. Well, it is now. We did. Yeah. Next one is Ox of Agonis. So Ox of Agonis is a mythic. The moral of the story is it's a big scary ox that escapes from the graveyard. And this is a reference to certainly bulls, which were critical in the mythology, but presumably the Cretan bull. It probably is the Cretan bull because that's just it is a famous bull. There's also another bull that uh, Hercules tussled with in his trials. But basically, bulls are a big thing in Greek mythology and traditional ancient Greece. Like I mean, it's just interesting because they, they didn't really reference it in the previous Theros set, and I'm glad they're calling it out that they're having that marker for how important it was in Greek mythology. So speaking of other sagas, we have the first Uroan Games. Um, basically, just for, references the first Olympics. You know, the Olympics start in Greece, and, you know, every f- two years, we either see skiers or we see runners on our TV screens for two weeks. Thanks, Greece. Yeah, this is unbelievably flavorful. It's just about my favorite thing on the planet. You make a 1-1 human, you put some counters on it because it's training, if you control a creature with power of four or greater, you draw two cards. So it's like you're advancing, you know, you're learning more. And then at the end, you create a gold token, which is just kind of wonderful. It's the metal. Although there's a flavor fail here, Arena Athlete, originally from Theros, has flavor text that says, The Aroan Games award no medals. Athletes vie for a visit from Aroas, god of victory. So something has apparently changed since original Theros, where they're like, all right, we'll give you guys some gold. Yeah. <laughs> Here's sorry we made you do some games. Here's some gold. <laughs> yeah. Another another uh, reference is the Nessian boar. This is a big green uh, tin six boar that lets your opponent draw cards when it attacks, and it must be blocked. Um, basically, it's a reference to the uh, Ermithanian boar, which was a Hercules had to kill as one of his tasks. I think it's Aramanthian. Aramanthian. Yeah. I mean, I'm because gl- it's based on Aramantheus. Aramantheus. Okay. Well, this is good to know because we we know this because there's a pronunciation guide on Wikipedia. <laughs> Glad we can figure it out. So basically, Hercules had to kill a boar, and um, there's more to it. We'll put a link to where you can read about it. It's a nice throw call out to that. Next is Hactos the Unscarred. This is a super obvious reference to Achilles who was dipped in the water and except held by the ankle, so the ankle was his weak spot. This is such a reference to Achilles that on Arena, if you hover over the card and it talks about his ability, it has a special icon that's just an ankle with an arrow through it. (laughs) So this is no... uh, This is real clear. I'm actually going to read this one because it's weird. It's red, red, white, white for a 6-1 legendary human warrior. It attacks each combat if able, and when it enters the battlefield, you choose 2, 3, or 4 at random. Hactos has protection from each converted mana cost other than the chosen number. Right. So that's the, that's the reference to his Achilles heel, right? His literal weakness is a, any card that's either converted mana cost 2, 3, or 4. So I thought it, you know, yeah. that's pretty... That's pretty flavorful. Which which number do you think best, or I guess worst for what, like the the worst heal for for Hactos? I should say. If I see this on the other side of the battlefield, I want him to not have protection from three because, as you know, I just draft mono three drop decks. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I actually, um, I think two because, or sorry, no, two's the best one if I see it because there's a lot of cheap removal at two that can kill it or bounce it or something. I think four is the worst one to see because um means there's a lot less removal 
and you have to have a bigger creature kill it, but also you can enchant it with stupid auras like uh, Captivating Presence or something. And you don't want stupid auras on sure. this card. Like, it is this is dumb. Okay, so the next card we want to talk about is Kuneros, Hound of Athreos. Um, this is a traditional reference to Cerberus, uh, who guarded the underworld in Greek mythology and who was on the other side of the river Styx. Um, we really want to mention it because I thought there was already a Cerberus that guarded Nyx, right? Yeah, there was a mythic in Theros that was underworld Cerberus that was a hound that did this. So uh, maybe that one, who was a 6-6, six, six, by the way, and much more powerful. So that one went away, and now we have a 3-3 three, three legendary hound? I'm very confused as to why we rewrote this. I don't know. This is a really weird retcon. Like, just bring back and reprint Underworld Cerberus, right? Like, what's the harm? I, I don't get it. It, was, it wasn't played then. It wouldn't be played now. It's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Just guarding the Underworld. <laughs> Our next one is Diana, I mean Siona, Captain of the Pileus. Wait, wait. Diana? Uh, well, what do you mean? Yeah, this is just Wonder Woman, dude. I mean, if you look at the art, these are uh, Amazonian-looking women. It's like a crossover with uh, DC movies here. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> the last one is Labyrinth of Scophos. It is a very clever card. I'm actually going to read this because there's a lot of levels to it where it's clever. Um, it is a land. It taps to add a colorless mana to your mana pool, and it has four generic tap, remove target attacking or blocking creature from combat. So um, this ref- this is works on many, many levels. Uh, this is a reference to the Labyrinth of Minos, um, where the Minotaur, original Minotaur, is held, where the Minotaur gets its name. Um, but also, it's a very clever callback to Maze of Ith, because any type of maze effect in Magic does this type of removing from combat. So it continues that tradition of of the the maze type effects yeah this one's interesting too because it can remove a blocking creature instead of just an attacking creature oh yeah um which maze of it couldn't do but some of the other effects that are like this we've seen can only remove uh one of your opponent's creatures but the fact that this can remove yours can be very helpful for very you. helpful so i'm sure there are other flavorful references these are just the ones we picked feel free to tweet at us if you have some other ones we would love to learn more about what's going on in the set for sure so we've talked about Re- uh, flavor references. Are there any signature reprints you want to talk about? Yeah, so we did this with Throne of Eldraine as well. I think when a new set comes out, we want to talk about some of the signature reprints. There are certainly more than we'll talk about here, but these are the ones that are interesting or fairly critical. Uh, I would say the first one is Banishing Light. Banishing Light is two and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. So this is the fixed Oblivion Ring that we first got in Journey into Nyx, and it's just a premium white removal spell. It's any non-land permanent your opponent controls. Yeah, this is great to see. It's also from the original Theros block, so it hits on plenty of levels. Um, yeah, and unlike a lot of these reprints, they kept the original art, which is great. Oh, yeah. It was nice Beautiful art. art. Um Another card we thought was worth mentioning was Field of Ruin. So Field of Ruin is uh, a land. It's tap at a colorless manager mana pool. Uh, Two generic tap, sacrifice Field of Ruin, destroy target non-basic land and opponent controls. Each player searches their library for a basic land card, puts it onto the battlefield, then shuffles their library. And we first saw this in Ixalan. Yeah, now it's back in standard. I feel like it's a nice card to have in standard. Probably not going to unban Field of the Dead, (laughs) even though we have this, and that's probably good, but... (laughs) Uh, this art I actually like better than the original art because it depicts an actual field of ruin that looks like, if it's not the underworld, it's the entrance to it with all of the chains there on the ground kind of holding everything together. Yeah, or it could be the chains holding the titans. 
Ooh, yeah. No, that's true. I didn't think of that. Mm. Next one, uh, Gary, Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Three black black for a 2-4 zombie. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent loses X life, where X is your devotion to black, and you gain the life equal to life lost that way. Already a player in mono black devotion decks. Uh, notably punched up to uncommon in this yes. set, so it won't ruin the draft format. <laughs> but the thing that's critical to me is, why do we have new art here that apparently had the exact same art direction as the first one? Right. I mean, I guess the colors are better on this one, but like... The old one's such an iconic art. Just come on. Just bring... You should have bought back original Gary. We didn't need some new nonsense. Yeah, maybe there's there's some licensing issue with the art or something, but uh, it's weird to have two cards that look very similar. Very, very weird, for the record. So another fantastic reprint is Idyllic Tutor. Idyllic Tutor's Tuna White for a sorcery. Search your library for an enchantment card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and then shuffle your library. It's... Why is this being reprinted? Uh, commander players want idyllic tutors. There's a thirty dollar card from Morning Tide that has never been reprinted, so very exciting for people who want to get copies of it. I could see maybe playing this in limited if I had amazing enchantments. I don't know if it'll be played in standard, but yeah, I mean, this is a kind of thing they've been doing lately where it's like this is a thing that's totally reasonable to reprint in a standard legal set. This is totally reasonable, and it's also um, probably the most reasonable tutor they've ever printed honestly because everything else either gets a really broken card type or it's so cheap you're like well i'm gonna run this and this is like one of the few tutors i'm like yeah okay like i will play this but it's not like breaking things in half sorcery speed pretty limited i mean just enchantments so very reasonable yeah i really like this next one uh indomitable will yeah one in a white for a aura it has flash and enchants a creature and the enchanted creature gets plus one plus two uh, we haven't seen this card since Champions of Kamigawa. Yeah, and it serves a really good function in the set. There's a lot of Constellation triggers. There's a lot of... You want to have spells that are not spells, that they're auras. And there's a whole bunch of these types of auras in the set. And this fits in perfectly. And it also fits in White's theme of targeting your quote-unquote heroic creatures to make them better. So, yeah. Yes, the creatures that care about when you target them, but don't actually say heroic on them, unlike last time. This is also a functional reprint of Magetta's Boon from Prophecy. I didn't know that. It is. So, um, you know, that's uh, a little additional piece. There's no Magetta in this set, so he wouldn't be giving anyone a boon. So we just went with straight up Indomitable. So I think I watched too much Dragon Ball Z when I was that age because I always said Magetta. But I think it's because I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z. So I thought it was like like Vegeta. So Magetta. But Magetta makes a lot more sense in retrospect. Is that like a fajita? It should be a fajita. Okay. Like uh, I'm very confused. I'm, we have a lot of pronunciation issues, as we know. We're super, super happy to see as a reprint, because it's been so long since we've seen this in a set, is Return to Nature. Uh, Return to Nature is one in the green for an instant. You choose one. Destroy target. You know what? I'm not going to finish reading this card. You've probably seen this card a lot in the last year. Uh, you have. It's printed now in War of the Spark, Throne of Eldraine, and Theros Beyond Death. It is our new Colossal Dreadma, <laughs> printed in every set. And perfect for this set. Yeah. A naturalize would be good in this set. You know, it hits enchantments. That's what you want to do. But exiling a card from a graveyard in a set with escape is perfect. Yes. Very flavorful. And, yeah, there it hits on all three. Like, there are actually a lot. Like, it sometimes terror, which is not the case in the previous two sets. Uh, sometimes, as you said, it hits an escape creature. Like, it is the versatile 
Swiss Army Knife answer they finally found it in in the perfect set. So. Our next one is Revoke Existence, one in a white for a sorcery that exiles an artifact or enchantment. We saw this in Born of the Gods, but it's actually originally from Scars of Mirrodin, which I love, because in Scars of Mirrodin, you had it to exile artifacts, and in the Theros blocks, you had it to exile enchantments. Yeah, it turns out when um, you have sets where there's a lot of like artifacts and enchantments, you kind of want spells like these, because you think they're bad, but really, it's again, they're just terrors. Like, there's a famous example in the original Mirrodin block, where... The actual card Terror, which is one in the black, instant destroy target, non-black, non-artifact creature, would be a last pick because it couldn't kill all the artifact creatures. Like, you pick, you first pick Shatter over Terror, and Revoke Existence continues that long lineage of cards you need to take a lot earlier. Yeah. It's it's Doomblade. In these oh, formats. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the last one's a saucy one. This one we actually legitimately haven't seen in a while. This is Underworld Dreams. Underworld Dreams is black, black, black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, Underworld Dreams deals one damage to that player. Yeah, this card was first printed in Legends, and it got some prints in 8th, 9th, 10th Magic 2010, so we've seen a bunch of them, but I'm super excited that they reprinted this card because this is one from back when I started. I mean, I have a Legends copy of this. I used to play in a deck with Brain Geyser, you know, in case I had it in play, I could just brain geyser my opponent to death very easily. Yeah, it's very flavorful. It's one of those cards I wish would, like, be played more because it's very, like, there's certain decks where it's perfect in, right? But it's also, again, it just works so well with the flavor in the set. They are in the underworld, right? Like, you got to have this card. Yeah. Uh, I've wanted a foil of this for a long time. I now have a foil of this version, but I still want to go back and get the two-headed giant tournament Oh, foil because it has the original Legends art, which is uh, kind of bad, but also excellent. It's like two people in the underworld. One of them's, I don't know, taking notes. <laughs> and it's just like old school Legends, pretty underwhelming art. <laughs> My favorite. So those are some of our reprints. As we mentioned, there are more. Uh, these were the significant ones. If there are others you want to talk about, tweet at us at MemoryJarMTG. Now we want to talk about Forced Obsolescence. So we did this, and this was a popular section of the podcast when we talked about Throne of Eldraine. We don't want to talk about cards that are strictly better than other cards. We want to talk about which cards in this set make older cards completely obsolete. That means we have a new card that completely replaces an old card. Same color, same cost or cheaper, and the same or a better effect. So we're only talking about cards here that are newly making an old card obsolete. For example, the example we used last time, Twin Veil Treefolk is a 6-5 for 5G with Adventure from Throne of Eldraine. That card was strictly better than Crawworm, which was a 6-4 for 4GG. Great. But Crawworm has been obsolete for a long time already because there are better cards for 6 mana with better power and toughness. Right. So Twin Veil Treefolk doesn't obsolete Crawworm. Right. And here's the thing. No one has the time nor really care about corner cases, whatever malarkey you can think of. Magic being magic, there will be some very rare and narrow cases where these new cards aren't technically better than the cards you mentioned. You can tweet at us, but we will respond with some side-eye. So here's an example. Yeah, just pure side-eye. No, 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 no. Yeah, just pure side-eye. Pure side-eye. I just wanted to add Yeah, pure side-eye. Like, can you, can Dave, can you show the listeners with your face how much side-eye you give, and I'll describe it? Oh, that is the, the meanest side-eye I've seen in my life. You do not want that. I gotta get my eyes to go straight again. Hold on. Okay. Right. But here's an example. So, Wild Slash made Shock obsolete. Colossal Dreadwa means Crawworm is obsolete. Whereas, Cathartic Reunion doesn't obsolete 
tormenting voice since they require different resources, which does come up a lot. Sure. So here's right off the bat a very easy example. Chain to memory is a single blue mana for an instant target creature gets minus four, minus zero until end of turn, scry two. This completely obsoletes Lost in a Labyrinth from the original Theros block, which was minus three, minus O, and scry one. Now, you could argue actually that Dazzling Lights already got there. Dazzling Lights was the same cost, a single blue from Guilds of Ravnica, and a target creature gave minus three, minus O until end of turn and used Surveil to, but I think Surveil and Scry are a big enough difference where you may not want to be dumping stuff in your graveyard for whatever Exactly. Reason. I mean, technically Surveil would actually be really good in this format, let's be real here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be a little busted. busted. But yeah, absolutely. Like, Chain to Memory is makes the creature um, weaker. You Scry one more. There's no reason you ever want to run Lost in a Labyrinth if change since change of memory also if you have copies of lost in the labyrinth in your house throw them away you don't sharpie them up right you know uro titan of wrath on it so another example perfect example the next one is erebos's intervention uh obsolete's Deathwind. so erebos's intervention it's x and a black for an instant choose one target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn you gain x life uh, exile up to twice X target cards from graveyards. Yep, and Deathwind was just black X target creature gets minus X minus X. So here's another one that goes between the Theros blocks. Fateful End, two and a red for an instant, deals three damage to any target scry one, obsolete's Bolt of Karanos, which is the same thing at sorcery speed, and also harder to cast, it costs one red red. So Bolt of Karanos, no longer useful. If you want to deal three and scry, you're, you're on Fateful right. End. You might think that Meyer's Grasp, one in a black for an enchantment that gives a creature minus three, minus three, makes debilitating injury obsolete, but that job had already been done by Deadweight. In fact, there is a card made obsolete by Meyer's Grasp, and it's Weight of the Underworld, which is an atrocious version. It's three in a black to give a creature minus three, minus two for an enchantment. That's not only not as powerful, but it costs two mana more. This is a perfect example of a time when we went through very bad removal at Common. Uh, and let's, for the record, state this is from uh, the fantastic set called Born of the Gods, so original Theros block. Yes. So it's very thematic that we just decide to upend terrible, bad commons from the original Theros block. Yeah, this is the third common we've seen, all three of which are kind of removal spells, even if the blue one is just temporary, that are strict upgrades and obsoleted cards from the original Theros block. So we've gone back to a little better power level as far as interaction oh, yeah. goes. Uh, moving on, we got Sentinel's Eyes, which is uh, one white for a aura that enchants a creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one in Vigilance, and you have Escape, White, Exile, two other cards from your graveyard. This makes the card Vigilance from Champions and Kamigawa obsolete, and Vigilance from Champion and Kamigawa is one white, and Enchanted Creature has Vigilance. Yeah, I kind of can't believe we haven't had a card that's just like a single white plus one plus one in Vigilance for an enchantment. I mean, we we went huh. we just skipped that step. <laughs> we, we did yeah. a strictly better version of that already. <laughs> Here's a good one. Tectonic Giant, two red red for a three four elemental giant. Whenever it attacks or becomes the target of a spell an opponent controls, choose one. Either it deals three damage to each opponent or you can exile the top two cards of your library, choose one, and until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. This just destroys Retromancer, which was a common from Urza Saga, two red red for a 3-3 three, three via Shino, and it had, whenever it was the target of a spell or ability, it deals three damage to that spell or ability's controller. So Tectonic Giant not only doesn't damage you, but it has one more toughness, and it has an additional ability, and it triggers when it attacks. So Retromancer <laughs> is just 
in the dust. I mean, Retromancer, the name is very on theme for this uh, podcast. Like, we yes. are Retromancers, but we don't really want to be the card Retromancer. So, I'm sorry, Retromancer. Wow. This is probably the only time we're going to mention you. We're with you, brother. We're sorry you had to pass away for better cards. We're just straight up obsolete, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah! <I> mean, <laughs> uh, uh, next one is Towering Wave Mystic. One in a blue for a 2-1 Merfolk Wizard. When it deals damage, target player puts that many cards from the top of their library into their graveyard. This obsolete's Crosstown Courier from the original Return to Ravnica, which is a 2-1 Vidalkin. And that one, when it deals combat damage to a player, not just any damage, that player puts that many cards from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So Towering Wave Mystic counts on any damage, and it allows you to self-mill. Right. And so if there's things like in Aquaria where they have auras where you can make creatures ping each other, you know, Towering Wave Mystic can trigger off of that, and that's obviously a lot better than the other one. Uh, yeah. Another card is Underworld Fires. Underworld Fires is... Uh, sorcery for one in red it deals one damage to each creature in each planeswalker if a permanent dealt damage this way would die this turn exile instead in underworld fires obsolete yamabushi storm yeah yamabushi storm's the same except it doesn't say planeswalker because it's from champions of kamigawa right. yeah i mean <laughs> how how dare they not think about planeswalkers back in the year 2003 right before planeswalkers right. existed <laughs> One last one. Again, if you have other suggestions, feel free to tweet at us at MemoryJarMTG. Wings of Hubris is a two-mana equipment with equip cost one. Equipped creature has flying, and you can sacrifice Wings of Hubris. Equipped creature can't be blocked this turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Cobbled Wings is the same equipment, except it doesn't have the sacrifice ability. So get out of here, Cobbled Wings. We've cobbled some better wings together. So Wings of Hubris is also a card I forgot to mention earlier in the flavor section which means I'm full of hubris that I thought we'd bring it up later, but uh, it references the myth of Icarus. So don't have the hubris, don't be Icarus, just equip Wings of Hubris. All right, a poet in our midst. We're going to go through some quick hits now. First off, creature types. We got some new creature types from th in Throne of Eldraine. There are no new cards in Theros Beyond Death of those types, but there was an errata that came out with this set. There are some new nobles. Uh, Ascendant Evancar, Crovax the Cursed, and Crovax Ascendant Hero are all versions of Crovax. They are all now nobles. Makes sense. In addition to their he other He was types. a noble. Also, Earl of Squirrel from Unstable is now a Squirrel Noble Advisor. So, welcome to the royalty. This all makes sense. They were all nobles in the first place. I'm glad Wizards right. caught up with that mistake. Um, now, we, we also have some functional errata, right? So, Lady Calaria from... Legends is now an elf archer instead of a human archer. If, we, if you look at the art, she's always been an elf. She's just been hiding out, <laughs> but not very well because her ears are huge. And also Ridge Scale Tusker has gone from a beast to a pangolin beast. So we now have three pangolins in black bordered magic. Pangolin tribal in color. Represent. We do have new creature types in Theros Beyond Death. The first is Demigod. There's a five-card cycle of legendary enchantment creatures. And I believe in the story, the gods raised them all from the underworld to go collect Elspeth or do something. I don't know. The, again, the story was pretty thin, but Demigod is brand yeah, new. Yeah, cool. We not only now, you know, we can have a pantheon. We can make our own path pantheon. This is great. We have another gross one, which we're just going to kind of quickly mention and move on. There's now Tentacles from Nadir Kraken. That's all we're going to say about that. That's great. I don't want to see your custom tokens. <laughs> There's a reflection creature type that I thought was new with Illyrios. It's not Cryptolith Fragment from Eldritch Moon is an Eldrazi Reflection Aurora of Emrakul. So who knew? We now have a second reflection. Well, actually, Dave, there's actually one older than that. Spirit Mirror from Tempest made reflections. 
Whoa, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's not reflected on Scryfall, maybe because they never printed physical tokens because it was from Tempest. But we'll have to uh, make sure that gets included in future searches. All right, so full on to reflections. Yeah, full on reflections. There's some new combinations of creature types. There's too many to go through. We're just going to highlight some really cool ones. The first one, so Elemental Giants are a new combination. This seems really cool. I'm glad Elementals are now giant. We have two in the set. The first we already talked about is Tectonic Giant. Uh, what's the second one? That would be Thrix the Sudden Storm, the three blue blue four five legendary elemental giant with flash and flying, where spells you control with converted mana cost five or greater cost one less to cast and can't be countered. That card seems like it's a bomb. It's pretty busted. Busterinos. And then I was really excited, Pelucranos Unchained is our first ever zombie hydra. Well, we'll have to have a future episode, listeners, where we debate whether zombies are a race or a class currently undetermined mm, yeah that's probably good we've been tweeting about that this week i think we should also have a future episode on things that will be playable when pelucranos <laughs> rotates <laughs> just inside magic jokes for everyone uh we also have some new elder creatures we keep getting new creatures with the elder type uh elder giants croxa and euro for a long time we just had the five elder dragons from yep. legends then we got some more Elder Dragons and Dragons of Tarkir, then Elder Dinosaurs on Ixalan, and finally an Elder Demon, Belzenlock, in Dominaria. And now, Elder Giants. I wonder if they're going to have an Elder Human in um, the next Unset. And, like, it's called Grandma. I think that's going to come. <laughs> it's Grandmother of Runes. <laughs> exactly. Incoming. <laughs> uh, the Lamia are no longer lonely. We have a second Lamia now in Gravebreaker Lamia. Previously, we just had one. It was from Journey to Nyx. It was Thoughtrender Lamia. So I'm glad the Lamia family is ever-expanding. And one other note, we now have a third red merfolk. There were only two previously, but Dalakos Crafter of Wonders, the rare, is a red and blue merfolk. Yeah. We also have two new types of counters. Athreo Shroudveiled, the buy a box promo, puts coin counters on creatures. We've never had those before. And the enchantment Heliod's Punishment puts task counters on Heliod's Punishment. That's too close to work. Come on, guys. Can we not have task counters? <laughs> just, like, next thing you know... You just gotta tap every turn. Right. Well, I'm just gonna now... Like, my opponent's gonna come up and he's like, well, I have this Kanban board with all their task counters on it. So, let's, you know... Let's draw a card. I hope you get that done in a week. Nice. Nice. Uh, Christian, what do you think about the special frames from the set? The spotlight frames for the Beautiful. I love them. They're great. More of them. Yep. Easy answer. Yep. Big fan. Love the constellation thing. Let's, uh, let's yes. keep going. Uh, new feature... What is the secret reach card in this set? So recent sets have featured creatures that for some reason nobody notices have reach and apparently just attack their flyers right into. So recent examples from Throne of Eldraine were Brimstone Trebuchet and Wildborn Preserver. Uh, Howling Giant from Magic 2020 was notorious for this. And then in Dominaria, Multani Yavamaya's Avatar inexplicably had reach. Right. People forgot about that when all you the have time. When Wizards keeps printing creatures with a tons of lines of text on them, you start to, like, forget there are certain ones. This could also be the uh, honorary Hogak uh, Risen Necropolis c- category because that yep. one everyone forgot had Trample on it. We do have one in the set, though. Uh, it's Flummox Cyclops. Yeah, so technically has reach. Uh, I saw, as I put this list together, Saffron Olive had already tweeted about getting got in the first week of the set being live. It's uh, three and a red for a 4-4 four, four with reach. It's a Cyclops with reach. And whenever two or more creatures your opponents control attack, Flummox Cyclops can't block this combat. So this has the combination of people will attack a single flyer into it, forgetting it has reach, and people will attack multiple creatures into it, their opponent will block, and then they'll forget it can't actually block. So it's going to be a nightmare for draft forever. You could say it will Flummox Drafters. 
I I could say that, and I refuse to. Well, I will. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next is best tongue twister. This is inspired by our favorite magic tongue twister, Click Slither Quick Sliver. Th- Try saying that five times fast. Thank you, David Leifert Smith. Yep. Uh, I don't think we had a tongue twister in Eldraine. I think Witch's Vengeance is actually surprisingly hard to say, or Shine Chaser, if you say it a bunch of times. Shine Chaser, Shine Chaser, um, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a tough one. But I'm going with an easy one here, Irreverent Revelers. Irreverent. I, I just said it wrong. It's Irreverent Irreverent Revelers. Irreverent Revelers. Irreverent Revelers. Yes. I keep wanting to say Irrelevant Revelers and put an L in both words, and yeah, it's... You're not wrong. Good luck with that. <laughs> So, uh, listeners, if you have a better tongue twister, let us know. I want you to try this at home. Irreverent revelers. Five times fast. We have a couple more things here. We got some suggestions from one of our listeners, Camilla from Washington, D.C. Sent us a direct message on Twitter and said, hey, love the show. You asked for suggestions. Here are some suggestions. And, yeah, we love them. We're going to try them out in this show. Uh, Let us know how you feel. And thank you so much for sending us that direct message. Yeah, so the first suggestion, which is fantastic, is kind of the opposite of the forced obsolescence chart. It's cards that are dead in the water, uh, a.k.a. cards that are just already obsolete. So the first example is Bronze Sword, which is one mana for an equipment. It gives a creature plus two plus O, and its equip cost is three. It's just dead in the water, thanks to so many cards, including Bone Splitter, which is the same thing for equip cost one, and is an actually right. well, good card. I mean, Bone Splitter was a mistake. So. <laughs> so. Sure. So another one in this vein is Discordant Piper. It's a one in a black for a 2-1 zombie satyr, and when Discordant Piper dies, you create a 0-1 goat, white goat token you put in the battlefield. Uh, this is much worse than a similar card from Battle for Zendikar called Carrier Thrall. It's basically the same thing, except Carrier Thrall made a 1-1 Eldrazi Scion token, which is objectively better than a 0-1 goat token. That is better, although we do have a zombie satyr now, so there's, there's something that. Final Death is four and a black for an instant, and you exile target creature. That's worse than so many other black cards at exile, including Eat to Extinction in this very Yeah, set. yeah. So another card in this vein is Grim Physician. So Grim Physician is one and a black for a 1-1 one, one zombie, and when it dies, target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one until the turn. It's already worse than Festering Mummy, which is the exact same thing, except Festering Mummy uh, puts a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. That sticks around, obviously better. Moss Viper's a single green for a 1-1 Death Touch. There are three other cards for a single green that have one power and Death Touch and are better yes. than this. Yeah, I mean. Lastly, Triton Wave Rider is just worse than Fat- Phantom Monster. Uh, Triton Wave Rider is a 3-3 for 3 in a blue, and it'll, it gets flying if you uh, play an enchantment or have an enchantment into the battlefield. What Phantom Monster already has flying. Doesn't need any hoops. Yeah, so there are more than that. That's a super cool suggestion, though. Uh, for cards that are dead in the water, cards that very similar to uh, the obsolete ones, feel free to just yeah. throw them away. Just give them to kids. You, we you're never going to need them. Camilla also suggested it might be fun to hear something like a common, an uncommon, and a rare that we think are well designed or exemplify the set or just kind of excite us in one way or another. That those are her words. I'll I'll start with that. Uh, for common, I really like the Omen cycle. I'll say Omen of the Sea because it's the one I've cast the most. Making this cycle of cards into flash enchantments that matter for devotion, constellation, casting things in your opponent's turn in a set with a ton of flash things, I think just hits what this set is about very clearly, and I am a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, I'm a huge fan as well. I'm going to say something different just because I don't want to just repeat the same stuff over and over. Uh, I like Daybreak Chimera a lot. Um, Daybreak Chimera is three white-white for a 3-3 three, three flyer, and it has uh, a cost reduction equal to your devotion to white. And I like it because... 
Um, it It's a perfect type of draft common where you can go heavy into mono white and get it out really early and cast it way above curve. Or if he just cast as a 4 mono 3 3 flyer, you know, we just talked about Phantom Monster. That's an excellent card and limited. And Daybreak Chimera does the same exact thing. Yeah, it's exactly what you want from Devotion. Uh, for an uncommon, I'm going to say Elspeth's Nightmare, which is a saga. Two and a black for an enchantment saga. Uh, three modes. First, destroy a target creature an opponent controls with power two or less. Second, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-creature, non-land card from it. That player discards that card. And third, exile target opponent's graveyard. I picked this one because you basically could pay three mana for the first effect and not be too unhappy about it, but then you get a duress, and then you get something that matters for one of the key mechanics in the set. It's very well designed. You kind of probably want all three things, and... I just love sagas being in Theros. It's hard not to mention one of them here. Between the storytelling and the enchantment synergies, I think this particular one is very well designed. Also, this art of Elspeth being harassed in her dreams by a Phyrexian negator is spooky and awesome. Yes, and we will link to Phyrexian negator because it is a very spooky card. I will say real quick about that, I think all of the non-rare sagas are all excellently done. They're all excellently designed and... um, uh, it's all these incremental effects that you just are great when they're all uh, stapled on one card. Um, I'm going to say Nessie and Hornbeetle for my uncommon. Nessie and Hornbeetle is one in a green for a 2-2 insect. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control another creature with power 4 or greater, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Nessie and Hornbeetle. Um, I really like this because it's sneakily good in almost every green deck you want to play. And it's not because... There is this ferocious thing, obviously, that Green's doing, but there are a lot of ways for it to get bigger, and figuring out how it can get bigger from all the different color combinations you pair it with is what makes it really interesting, in my mind. Printing this in a set with a bunch of enchantments that are designed to increase power is really a cool way to get about it, and like you said, let your red creatures, your white creatures, or whatever that may be, you know, tutus, get up to that four power. Yeah, and, and, and there's also cards in black and blue, like it's... It it's very yeah. I would be hard pressed to not play this card in any green deck I play. So Rare for me is Mantle of the Wolf, three and a green for an enchantment aura, enchant creature, enchanted creature gets plus four plus four. When Mantle of the Wolf is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, create two 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 green wolf creature tokens. I had a chance to play this at the pre release and it just hits the right notes for me. Auras are so risky. If you get your creature removed out from under it, you feel really bad about it. Even if it resolves and then they're able to kill your creature because they draw something later or lock it down, you know, you feel like maybe you got two for one. So go ahead and make the rewards very strong. In this case, plus four plus four is huge. And then when this is put into a graveyard for the from the battlefield, so even if the creature is exiled out from underneath it, you still get two, two, two green wolf tokens, which is worth four mana anyway. So you're getting your value here as long as you get past that very initial piece of risk where they uh, can remove the creature while it's on My the only complaint with this card is that this should cost five for power reasons. I've gotten just wrecked by this card a lot. Um, yeah, playing the uh, Transcendent Envoy, the one in a white, one, two enchantment flyer that makes your auras one cheaper on turn two, and then this on three just wins yeah. games very easily. Yeah, it should cost... Pack that like, removal I get kits. the whole synergy. They probably want avo- wanted to avoid another, um, you know, couple weeks of people just blowing up Morrow's Tumblr, being like, why is Mantle the four cost five when it makes a bunch of fours? And him having to explain over and over, it's power level, it's power level, power level. And, you know, fine. You got the, you got all the whole top-down number uh, line lineup or whatever, but I just, it, it's too good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say another four mana card from 
uh, Theros Beyond Death. I'm going to say At- Atris, Oracle of Hath Truths for my rare. So A- Atris is two blue-black for a 3-2 legendary human advisor. It has Menace, and when Atris enters the battlefield, target opponent looks at the top three cards of your library and separates them to a face-down pile and a face-up pile, put one pile into your hand and the other into your graveyard. Uh, I had this the pre-release. Uh, this was some of the most fun I had playing this uh, all weekend. Basically, you're it gave you a hard challenge uh, for your opponent, gave you a hard choice for me, the player, and it led to a lot of interesting sub-games where you're like, what could be underneath the two cards or one card that's face down? Like, do I take like the goat behind the door, right, essentially, to use a game show metaphor, right? It was, it was fascinating. I never felt bad for picking the pile I did. So I had this at the pre-release and occasionally cited into a Saltai deck. And the first time I played it, my opponent, she put face up a land and kind of a medium enchantment and then put a card face down. And I took the face down card and you know it was a land. She got me. It was brutal. But you chose it. So I love that aspect of gameplay. There's just going to be some serious bad beats. Like, why didn't I take what I could see? It's a total let's make a deal. I wish this was a full-on Monty Hall problem card. So maybe next onset we'll just get the Monty Hall problem. But... (laughs) It's a, and I will say this: they've had um, this kind of mini factor fiction type cards, but with all being face up, like there's no sort of deceit, and that is a big downside. Like if this was all face up cards, you would have picked two lands or the medium enchantment, and you take the medium enchantment because it's not two lands, you know. So right, yeah, it's super cool gameplay, and I'm looking forward to hearing everybody's stories about getting got by your opponents or getting your opponents with uh, with Atris. Well, thank you, everyone. This is a blast to do talk about all of the facts from the new set theros beyond death you can find us on twitter at our handle at memory jar mtg we would love your feedback if you have ideas for what we should do for future sets let us know what worked in this show what didn't and tell us if there are particular cards we missed that you want again to special about. thanks to christopher yates for the logo we greatly appreciate it you can find chris on twitter at at cmy company and until next time don't forget to reach for the stars may your gameplay be mythical and we can't wait to hear from you soon.